Welcome to Snowcast. I'm your host, Alex McNamee. On this week's episode, we're talking about covering an ongoing breaking news story turned tragedy within your own student community. For that, we've connected with the editors of the Daily Iowan, the University of Iowa's student newspaper. We discuss what they went through in covering such a thing this summer. Stay tuned. kind of story that can be impossible to cover and can be hard to talk about. We're talking about the Molly Tibbetts case, the University of Iowa student who went missing in July and was found dead about a month later. Um, She'd been abducted and killed and the Daily Iowan reported on it from the beginning and of course well after its conclusion. Editors Gage Miskamen, Caitlin Weisbrod, and Marissa Payne were integral parts of that and as i've already said before um guys i appreciate you offering your insight and thanks for being here yeah thanks for having us when i worked at my college paper a few years ago we covered student deaths though none like this um, we covered breaking news one day that turned out to be um, one of our very journalism professors deaths um, a heart attack outside of our Student Union, which hit close to home for uh, all of us um, involved in that coverage. A much better comparison to yours comes from, I guess, what the Daily Illini, the University of Illinois student newspaper, covered just last year. And this is just a student from within your very own community um, is kidnapped and, and killed. You learn about this stuff in journalism classes. You're trained to cover it. But What's it like from your perspectives when it's actually, you know, your turn and this is really happening in your student community? Well, that's the thing. You know, when you're in classes and stuff, you're learning copy editing, journalism ethics, stuff like that. You're not learning how to handle, like, a situation like this. You don't think that's going to happen to you um, while you're still in college working for your college newspaper. Um, And what makes – what made it, I think, harder for our newsroom and what made it – important for our newsroom is knowing that this that Molly was a student in our community on our campus um, which you know as the story became national everybody was covering it but for us it was it obviously hit closer to home um, for people in our newsroom due to her being a student people being mm. friends with her friends knowing friends of friends um, it seemed like everybody could like have some sort of connection with uh, Molly yeah I was just gonna say um you know it's one thing to cover it and, you know, objectively think of it as just a, a, another death on campus, which we've seen so many times. But um, it kind of took a while, I think, for all three of us to really understand what it happened. Um, we were pretty far in the reporting process when we all really realized that, you know, this was a call that we had probably passed on campus or that we might have had a class with. Um, and once that realization kind of hit, you know, it was a really kind of um, story to us. And, became really important to us, especially as it was becoming big on the national scene and almost turned into a political story. It was really um, kind of surreal to see that happen to just another student like us who, you know, the same situation could have happened to any of us. This is the kind of story that 
can, can you know, grow in, in a variety of different ways from uh, just covering the beginning, um, you know, that this is somebody's missing and, you know, these are, this is what's going on and these are the updates to it becoming a national story. Um, what was, what was that like as, you know, national outlets moved in and, and more people uh, were, were gaining interest? What was it like as reporters? Um, and, and how did you try to kind of stay relevant to, you know, this is what our readership base would be interested in compared to just all of the other national coverage that anybody's going to see all the time? Sure. Um, you know, well, I'll start from the beginning. Um, you know, when I found out a UI student went missing, um, if you don't know the Daily Island's 150th year, so that weekend was actually our 150th reunion. Oh. So I'm about this. I'm in the newsroom. Alum are arriving. Um, we're getting ready for this event, and I heard about this on Twitter. Um, I started seeing the pictures of, like, the missing poster um, going around social media. So I was like, okay, like, you know, I assume I'm missing. Um, let's get, like, a brief up online with the her information, the missing information. Um, hopefully this is solved by the end of the weekend. Uh, people go missing. Usually they're found within 24 hours. That's usually the case, as we've heard from authorities. And mm -hmm. then the weekend got over, and the week continued on, and she was still missing. And two weeks came, and she was still missing. So we're still covering that. And summer's time at the DI, where it's a very skeleton crew. Like, there's not a lot of people yeah. here, a lot of our reporters home for the summer. And then as she was continuing to be missing, obviously, national media gathered attention to it. Um, and even more so when she was confirmed that she was dead and that she was murdered. It was an interesting thing to, like, see all those news outlets come in here from, you know, one one evening CNN is calling me to be on the next morning, which I did. And it was just then the political stuff surrounded it. And I think the, the way we stayed relevant was, you know, this was our campus, this was our backyard, so we were going to cover it um, in regards with having respect for Molly and the family and the friends um, because not only are we journalists, but we're part of this community that's affected by this story ourselves. So my number one goal from that day one of her being found dead was not to sensationalize the story. That was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, that's kind of what it seemed like everyone else was doing, and mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that. I respect just for the UI community and the Iowa City community. As, like I stated, they're we're part of that at the end of the day, too. And so I wanted to make sure our coverage was responsible and respectful, but still reporting all the facts. I, I just want to gauge Gage is a leader in this whole story really, um, you know, kept that mission at the forefront. A lot of our reporters were really affected by this and it's not really covered as like this before. And um, you really could feel it in our newsroom. You know, it was a really stronger time. And um, Gage just kept that, you know, at the head of our reporting process, you know, we're respecting all you. Um, this is a member of our community, and we're going to go out and report this story um, the way it needs to be reported, keeping her at the center. And uh, I think our newsroom did a really good job of that, and I think other newsrooms didn't really have that mission, and that, that's unique um, in the end in terms of our reporting and our um, story content. You know, as the paper of record for the University of Iowa, you know, we've had 150 years of reporting on the community and we know we know it best better than any other paper. So even as national publications perhaps tried to steer the narrative toward um, immigration debates and whatever was being talked about in the political sphere, 
um, that the others touched on or focused the whole time was on Molly and remembering her. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I want to add to that too. You know, we had all this national media come in, and, you know, it's, it's good that Molly's story is getting out there, but at the end of the day, with the national media coming in, or if nobody came in, like, it, the job for us would have been done the same way. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. It's just being journalists and doing our jobs, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And and you guys actually, you know, covered quite a bit of, you know, uh, you know, just kind of reflecting on the national coverage and covered the the national reaction. And clearly, you felt that it was important to put some of that in perspective for your readers. I pitched that idea to our politics section. I saw saw um, it was it was one of like the nonprofit journalism center for journalists or something. Kind of did a similar yeah. thing, and I was like. That's a pretty good idea. We should do our own take on that as well now that kind of become relevant in the news again. At the time, I think it was the week uh, Molly's father, Rob, wrote that op-ed piece to the Des Moines Register. And after responding like Donald Trump Jr.'s piece or something, I don't know, it was a confusing plot line there. But um, mm-hmm. it was like, all right, this is still going on. So let's, let's, let's take an analysis look at this and see why did this become a national story? What are the elements? Obviously, we can't completely ignore the political elements that are involved in this story. And um, let's just look and try to put the pieces together in a factual, non-unbiased way, and just kind of for people that are people have a place to go where they can put together those pieces now. Like we wanted to be able to offer that without giving a side, you know. So let's talk about kind of a lot. A lot of this kind of coverage has to be reactive, especially. Um, early on, like in, in the middle of the summer when the student goes uh, missing, you just have to kind of react to the updates that you get. Um, but in what ways did you guys feel you were being proactive as reporters, whether that was chasing down stories or kind of making pre-plans? Did you talk about how do we handle this story if X is the result or if Y ends up happening? So. So when we knew that morning when she, her, her her body was found, um, for me that was totally reactive. I woke up to a call from my TV news director. Actually, um, they do a TV show. Yeah, TV does their show at Monday through Friday, like early in the morning um, before I'm even awake. So I get the call. Mm-hmm. They let me know. I'm like, okay, let's get something up quick now with everyone else um, before everyone else gets on it and make sure that people hear it from, like, the DI first. If they're from the Iowa City area, they should be hearing it from us first. And we knew the press conference would be later that day. Um, but honestly, like, that was – the press conference went a w- way different way than anyone imagined. You know, we thought it was going to be, oh, we found her body. We're still following leads. We don't know who did it. You know, that's what our newsroom was expecting. I, uh, uh-huh. Me and Kate and I went out there, um, and that's what we were expecting. So when they were like, we have someone – um, in the jail right now, this suspect. Oh, yeah. Time they're saying this is an undocumented immigrant. That went a completely different way than we were expecting. So in terms of relating to the breaking news aspect of it, responding to it, all of that was reactionary coverage. And it was about just being fast and being smart and, I guess, knowing what we were going to do. You know, we talked about this at one point. At no point, I mean, did we, I don't think ever felt overwhelmed by the job itself. I think we were all as comfortable as you can be in that situation and professional and just doing what we had to do to 
to get those stories online, to get those stories in the paper. But in terms of being proactive, there were other angles <clears throat> that we took that other outlets didn't take, and that was, you know, who is Molly Tibbetts? What what organizations was she in? Let's talk to the organizations like Dance Marathon, RVAP, and just what was her involvement like on campus? Like, who was she on campus? Like, that was one of the stories I was pleased with the results, um, to be able to have that story that no one else had, which 100% focused on Molly instead of the situation, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just you know, Gage and I drove out there a 45-minute drive, and I remember on the drive over there, I started writing the story, you know, thinking I knew what was going to happen at this press conference, that I, I had the full story written. Um, just, you know, they had found Molly's body and um, all that stuff, you know, the history of her um, being missing, and then we were just completely shocked at the result of the press conference, and the entire story ended up getting changed on the drive home. So, you know, that was the only time I, I felt overwhelmed you know, just with not only the, the job at hand, but the emotion of realizing what has happened to um, this girl. And, you know, that, that I don't even have words for it. And then having to go out and report on this, you know, was just such a surreal experience. And like Gage said, we never could have prepared for that. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting in the newsroom while Kate and Gage were, uh, while they were at the press conference and covering that. Uh, and one once it was revealed that it was an undocumented undocumented immigrant that had killed Molly. Um, I don't know, this swift reaction from politicians surprised me. So I had to have a couple hands on deck to help with I don't know, some of the angles like that. that yeah, gathering those, gathering those responses. So it was very reactionary for sure, and it wasn't really until our follow-up coverage that felt like we could get more of a proactive grip on our coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finally had some control over the situation once we can get past the breaking news aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, and you talk about reaching out and, and talking to the organizations that Molly was um, involved in, and I'm curious, you know, what it was like to um, talk to some of those people or talk to just your the, the students in your student body. And, um, you know, I know other reporters uh, obviously helped quite a bit with this coverage as well. So you went to uh, the the Molly service. What what was that like um, to, to be at and to report on? Um, well, I, I went there with Gage. Um, I mean, it definitely hit very hard on, like, seeing her her family and her friends and the people who knew her and loved her. Um, uh, that's when it kind of in that something like this had happened to um, a member of our community. Yeah, and like for me, you know, when Marissa could have gone on her own, I didn't need to go, you know, but I, for me, I needed to go just to like have mm-hmm. like that closure myself. So it was like an added thing, I guess, an added aspect, like bringing it to like a personal level. Right. How personal did it get you know, just just being on on campus there and um, talking to students who knew her, or um, you know, what did you hear from the reporters who were also out on the ground doing some of that as well? You know, a lot of her friends, family. They all say the same thing about her. You know, she's a positive person. She was very just motivated, determined in her major. You know, she was a psychology major. Um, like I said, very involved on campus. Loved kids. You know. Babysat for her whole town, basically in Brooklyn, and everyone knew her and loved her. And you know, it's 
like I didn't personally know her, but at the end of the day, covering her for over a month, you know, you start feeling like you did, you know. It's it's just a yeah. weird, it's a weird thing you don't get taught, I guess, or you don't know like what that experience will be like. But a certain day, you get kind of fatigued of covering it. And you got to kind of draw back. Right. How did you guys handle kind of tips into the newsroom or just sort of your everyday rumors or people talking about or speculating about what happened and, and that kind of thing? Because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you guys are still out there living your everyday lives um, when you have to put the reporter's notebook a- away. How did you handle things that you were hearing like that? Well, first and foremost, the strategy itself was the least. Most of this coverage, in terms of, I guess, the main, the main coverage, the breaking news type coverage, to like us three, like top editors, like we, I wasn't gonna let an incoming freshman reporter on the first week of class here at the Daily Islands, you know, yeah. handle some of that. That wouldn't make sense. Doing that helped clear rumors because nobody else was really allowed to write about Molly, um, other than us. So us three and a few others. So okay. That was that was a situation where we could actually be proactive in terms of strategy. Once we found out when news happened, we could be like, okay, certain people can write certain things. Other people, if you hear things, we'll let, let us know, but we'll we'll check it out. And this is a story where, you know, the authorities had press conferences every few days um, as the investigation went on. So most of the facts you're going to get are from those press conferences, little as information as they can share with you. Um, I had some follow-up emails for the people in charge of those press conferences, and sometimes they could answer them, and sometimes they couldn't. Mm-hmm. They just kind of had to be like, this is all we can tell public. This is all we know. And the investigation's still ongoing. That's the answer for a lot of things, of course. That part of it wasn't unique compared to, like, other crime or courts coverage. Um, that part was normal. You know, you can only tell as much as you can find out from an investigative standpoint. You guys mentioned already uh, early on just kind of what it was uh, like when maybe the, I don't know, the gravity of this, I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but when it hits you, I mean, you're so engulfed in uh, covering this uh, event uh, before, during, after. Is there a point when it kind of hits you that uh, what just happened and what is that like for each of you? I think all three of us really did have a moment that we can all remember that it really did hit us. And for me, it was at that press conference. It was the investigator at the podium and reporters from around the nation, you know, in a semicircle around him, probably 40 or 50 reporters there. And then on the outside of all of them were all friends um, from Brooklyn. Friends from high school, they were all wearing, you know, sweatshirts that said their high school on it. And that was the moment for me when I saw all those you know, girls my age who were mourning the loss of their best friend, you know, from high school. And realizing that that was just so not far away from me was absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, hearing the investigator recall the details of her being killed and her murderer and um, all these facts and, you know, watching these girls have to listen to that just completely, you know, struck me. And as we walked away from that press conference, I absolutely lost it. Like, it was just so much to, to learn in, you know, a short amount of time. It was probably only 30 minutes that we were there. And so um, that was that moment for me that really hit me what mm-hmm. happened. Guys, I think you should be proud of uh, the coverage that you did. Um, and uh, once again, uh, thanks for uh, joining me today. Yeah, for sure. At the end of the day, you know, 
proud's an interesting word because it's like at the end of the day we're doing our job. But I mean, I'm I'm proud of the way that a team handled it and um, professional, mm-hmm. not sensational, anything. But you know, at the end of the day, that's just what journalists do. You know. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Gage, Caitlin, and Marissa for joining us. For more of their coverage on this case, you can go to daily-ion.com and search Molly's name. We had some audio issues on our end this week, and we apologize for that. This being our show's fifth episode, we're still learning, but certainly not discouraged. We'll be back next week with another episode.